We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Was Buffalo, Minnesota the game of the year? Do we know have a new lead back in Kansas City and Tampa Bay? We'll react to that and a whole lot more coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by No House Advantage. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Nick, busy uh, week ten. Buffalo and Minnesota was wild. Uh, we finished the night with a backdoor, you know, not cover, but uh, pack, backdoor have in the San Francisco Chargers game and a whole lot of stuff in between. How was your week 10 so far? Awesome week of football. Uh, terrible week for, for my picks. Uh, you know, hung around uh, in staff picks, but man, the uh, the Pick'em League that, that I reference every now and then, rough, rough week. I oh, ended no. up going 0-5 in the five games that were decided oh. by five points or less. I, I you know, needed something to, you know, kind of calm my nerves after that. I, I'm looking up like, what is the probability of this happening? If you assume each of those are 50-50 games, there's about a 3% chance of going 0 for 5 in those. So it was one of those weeks, you know, where it felt good. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, the Cowboys are about to blow a 14-point lead. Oh, yeah. no, Seattle's not going to make this comeback against Tampa Bay. What is happening? The Bears were just up two touchdowns. It, it just felt like, you know, a cascading effect with all these games. But really, really fun Sunday. I mean, it, you know, other than Browns, Dolphins, I mean, State Steelers was, was kind of an ugly one, but for the most part, we got a ton of really competitive games. Yeah. Uh, so I was following along with staff picks. And so if it was not going well for you, it was going pretty well for me because we were it was. opposite a lot. And I, I think I'm 10, two and one. If I, if I remember correctly on the line that we got, no, no, I'm 10 and three uh still not bad no 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 no. i'm right there for i'm 11 and 2 i actually thought i was on the niners but i was on the chargers so yeah and we got that one at seven too which yeah uh, for some reason i was thinking six and maybe we would have pushed that but yeah just one of those weeks man it it really was i I felt good coming into the week obviously we had some injuries you know that that Mm -hmm. threw everything for a loop some numbers moving all over the place but uh yeah a lot of surprising results I, i think in retrospect i mean i you locked up the Steelers very smartly. Uh, they certainly look like the better team for most of the day uh, against the Saints, although that game was tied at the half. New Orleans could not do anything on offense in the second half, but I locked up the Cowboys. I, I thought this was a-, a fantastic spot coming off the bye, all the injuries to Green Bay. Um, you know, I-, I think you you know, you took the Packers in staff picks. You kind of sniff- sniffed this out as a bit of a trap game 
for Dallas. You ended up being right about that. But uh, of all these surprising results, which one to you is the most surprising yesterday? Uh, that the Colts won outright. Um, but then again, we didn't know Matt Ryan was going to start and we didn't know it until game time, basically, till we saw who was taking the reps, uh, Mm -hmm. before the game, they kind of hinted that Ryan would be back at some point by the way he was stepping up in practice, by the way that they said, okay, Ellinger is no longer locked in for the rest of the year, but they did say Ellinger was going to start. I, I, that's a big difference right there because Matt Ryan at least can run a competent offense Mm -hmm. and the Raiders do not run a competent defense. this played out like so many Raiders games have this year um you know they they finally put together a good drive at the end of the game they go 14 plays with a chance to win the game and then you go four and out you know on on that final possession as you get closer to the end zone I mean you just had no faith watching this offense that they were going to punch this in huge drop by by Foster Moreau uh, on what would have been a touchdown admittedly not the easiest catch but a catch that you know Darren Waller for example uh probably would have made but Right away, you kind of knew the Raiders were in trouble. You know, they start off with three straight three and outs, and then they go out on downs on what kind of felt like a desperation type of play when they're already down 10 nothing. Um, you know, at, at times it maybe felt like they would complete this comeback. He g- gave up the long touchdown run to Jonathan Taylor. That's yeah. when it really felt like they were in trouble. But at no point did it ever feel like uh, they were going to cover that number. I think we had it at six and a half in staff picks. I mean, that was dead from the start. It was clear the Raiders had no juice here. Right. Uh, Matt, you know, Sam Ellinger got sacked nine times earlier this year. Matt Ryan was known for sacking, getting sacked and fumbling. Yep. The Raiders had one sack yesterday. And uh, almost no pressures. And yeah. and Matt Ryan had a 40-yard run in this game yes. at a really key time. I mean, that's that's the story of the season for the Raiders defense is yeah. allowing Matt Ryan to have that kind of run in that spot. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. Um uh from Vic Tafur covers the uh, Raiders, I believe, for the athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh Nate Hobbs, who has hasn't played in a couple of weeks is second on the Raiders team in sacks with one. This is it's awful. You know, I, I, we mentioned this earlier that the Raiders are in disarray too, but they were lucky they were facing the Colts this week. No, the Raiders are in bigger disarray. Um, you and I were trading notes like earlier. They, they, they had a player who led them in tackles and played 62 snaps that did not, that, that retired midweek, midweek, middle of the season. I, I mean, Blake Martinez, whatever. I mean, he's not a great player, but you played him 62 snaps last week and Oh, we wish him well. He retires. What? Yeah, man, it's, it's a disaster. And we, as of right now, while we record, you know, it's a, coming up on a noon central time for me, Josh McDaniels remains the coach of the Raiders. I, I would not be surprised if at some point in the next 60 minutes, that is not the case. Uh, he had yet another meeting with Mark Davis, who was in the locker room after this game. Uh, that's not ideal. Uh, you know, Derek Carr, obviously very emotional after this game. I, I think he's kind of feels like he's hit rock bottom. Um, but, you know, we, coming into the week, like when we previewed this game on the XM show all week, you know, we kept saying like the Raiders are down to Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. If you watch this game, that's exactly what it felt like. I mean, force feeding Devontae Adams. He was the only reliable option. Matt Collins, you know, has had some big games stepping up with Hunter Renfro and, and Waller out this year. Gave them nothing in this game. Two catches on six targets. And you could just feel the desperation. Yeah. on the Raiders side this entire game like I, I mean we kind of joked about it all week about how much pressure is on this team to not lose to the joke that is the Colts and I think they were feeling that and, and I think they knew early on like we're gonna be in trouble um you know we can't really run the ball on this defense Josh Jacobs had like one long run all day other than that he was bottled up um and, and you you felt the the tightness and the desperation from from the Raiders really from the jump 
Yeah. Uh, and Colts writers were saying like the whole process sucked. The franchise is, is in crazy shape and Jim Irsay's nutty. And yet they all said positive things about Jeff Saturday. So mm-hmm. he was getting team buy-in at the very least. Now, I don't know, you know, if, if he's a great coach or anything, but as a person, they buy into him and that matters for a little while. That can, t- that can carry a little bit of the way. They also rediscovered that, Hey, Jonathan Taylor exists. Let's give him the ball 22 times. <gasps> Weird. Strange. Good things happen. He broke yeah. off that long run. Paris Campbell was rediscovered. Seven for uh, 76 on nine targets. Got the touchdown. Michael Pittman didn't do a whole lot, but he had nine targets. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a functional team. And, if, you know, Matt Ryan, we he earned his criticism earlier, but we could see Ellinger wasn't going to work out. And the fact that the Colts were remained committed to the bit until they weren't was kind of interesting. Had they not made that coaching change, maybe Ellinger would still be starting. But it's mm-hmm. clearly clear clear case that they were better off with Ryan running the show there. This might have been Matt Ryan's best game of the year. I, I thought he looked really good in this game, and certainly mm-hmm. it, it changes things when you're not under duress the entire yeah. time. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean the Raiders' defense is just so so bad. I mean, just no no pass rush. You know, you you, you never really feel like that secondary is capable of making any plays. Obviously you released Jonathan Abram, not that he was helping things, but uh, that, you know, that's kind of more of a talent drain on the defense as well. And uh, you know, watching this game, I it's, it's hard to say how much you credit the coaching change, how much you credit Jeff Saturday. My guess is probably not all that much, but the Colts look like the better team. Like that's what it came down to. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if you just remove coaching from the equation, they look like the far more competent team, uh, the team that, that knew what it was doing, that knows its strengths. And like you said, you get guys like Paris Campbell, Kylan Granson stepping up, like, the Raiders are not getting those secondary, um, you know, two, three, four guys down the jet chart stepping up each week. You know, it really is a, a three-man show for the Raiders, and you can't win in the NFL when it feels like you only have three players who are above average on offense. Yeah, and I don't have any confidence that they're any better at, at identifying talent in the draft and in free agency now than no. they did under Gruden, which, is, you know, there's a lot of fruits of that coming to disaster. They're cutting all of his guys. I don't understand what, you know, parting ways with them midseason does, what that accomplishes. Um Unless I, they're, they're just so, so super toxic in the locker room or something. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. And it, it, it's a mess. Yeah. I, to me, the Raiders, I think the Raiders are maybe the second worst team in the league right now. I mean, you, some of the losses they've had have just been completely inexcusable. It's like you lose to the Colts, you lose to the Jags. I, I think Houston's maybe the only team we could definitively put below the Raiders right now. And, and because they have, you know, guys like Devontae Adams on offense, it's hard to think of this team in that context, but uh, they're, they're yet another team that I think coming into the year, we, we had, you know, maybe they could win nine, 10 games. We have to start just completely flipping the way that we look at this team going forward. I think they've, they've proven who they are at this point. And I, I don't know where they go from here. I, I mean, you're going to be without Renfro. You're going to be without Waller. There's no help coming anytime soon. And I mean that if you can't beat the Colts in this situation, I don't know how you expect to, to beat any any other teams really going forward the rest of the year. They do get Pittsburgh. They do get the Rams uh, remaining on their schedule, but they got to go at Denver next week. Then they're at Seattle. Then it's the Chargers. I mean, they're th- this could really spiral out of control for a team that's already lost three in a row now. Yep, two and seven. Their only wins are against Denver and Houston at home. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and the last three losses, the Saints, the Jags, and the Colts. I mean, yikes. Those, those might be three bottom seven teams. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to the Packers' run of losses, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. which they show they can still beat the Cowboys, though. So who knows? But yeah, exactly. Uh, Following that logic, then you know the, the Raiders will probably beat Seattle in two weeks. Whip off three wins, three yep. wins in a row, or something like that. Uh, 
Colts get to host the Eagles next week. So uh, good luck with that. All right, let's go, Jeff, Saturday. But, you know, at the same time, they weren't a clown show. They they ran a competent offense. So, I mean, that's – Absolutely. That's more than what you can say about, you know, pretty much the Raiders or or others. So there you go. Uh, Let's uh, move on. Let's let's go all the way back to Thursday night. Uh, Carolina versus uh, Atlanta, uh, the – the slap fight that was that no actually that's not fair because Carolina actually kind of played pretty well in this one I thought uh Deonta Foreman was a workhorse uh 31 for 130 the front line for the the Panthers sacked uh Marcus Mariota five times Mariota I mean he had the one drive late to kind of get it to keep this to being a game but man he makes some bad decisions bad bad decisions under pressure this to me felt like Mariota's worst game of the season. Uh, yeah. I, I think you come out of this as the Falcons, you know, feeling like you know, maybe you had some momentum. You know, obviously, you're coming off of a loss to the Chargers, but you played okay in that game. Um, and, you know, entering this game still very much in the mix in the NFC style. Obviously, the Buccaneers winning yesterday morning uh, kind of changes maybe how we view that division going forward. But yeah, this felt like a big, big step back for Atlanta. And you do have to credit the Panthers. They played well in this game. You know, another very limited effort for PJ Walker. Um, you know, I, I don't even think he got the yardage on the, the long uh, LaVisca Chenault touchdown that ended up being changed uh, right. to a rushing touchdown for Chenault. So really only barely got over a hundred yards did PJ Walker, but made some throws on third downs. And much like we saw two weeks ago, Deontay Foreman just running wild all over this Atlanta defense. And, you know, the final score is a little misleading because the Falcons had a chance at the end of this game, you know, they, they tack on that touchdown. It felt like the game was over. All of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this is a seven point game. And they force a quick three and out almost had a pick six on that drive. Yes. Uh, and then had a chance. And you're thinking, all right, momentum has shifted Atlanta. Maybe they could get something going here. And those four plays ended up going out on downs, just four really ugly, ugly downs for Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, had a play that almost turned into a pick six in this game that, you know, kind of reminded me of the old Jameis Winston, Florida state play where he's going down, He's like on his back, somehow gets the ball like 30 yards downfield, uh, gets picked. And, and, you know, luckily they ended up calling him down. But yeah, it just it was not a game where Marcus Mariota had his best stuff. And, um, no. you know, I, I thought Atlanta would win this game. You knew, knew it would be close. That's for sure. I don't think that much separates these teams. But uh, Carolina, you know, continuing to show some fight. However, uh, P.J. Walker came out of this game with a high ankle sprain. Right. Right. So Baker Mayfield's going to get the start. It won't be Sam Darnold it's at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's mm-hmm. past defense has tightened up. They were pliable early on in the season. I think those young guys have started to get some experience, started to play better. And this is a team now. I don't really, I, I this is a pretty good setup for Baltimore. I think so too, for sure. Uh, you know, you would much rather play this team with Baker Mayfield than PJ Walker. I think that that is for sure. And, you know, PJ Walker, he hasn't really been doing all that much as a runner. You know, that's always the threat with him is he's so much more mobile, but really that hasn't been a big part of his game. But I, I still think you'd rather uh, go back to Baker who, you know, we have a, what, five, six game sample of him just really struggling earlier in the year. So you're right. This, this completely stacks up well uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they, they, they come out of their buy, and uh, you know, Carolina, it does, it feels like they have a decent amount of juice for a team that still could very well be in the mix for the number one pick, but yeah, asking them to go on the road against this Baltimore team that feels like it just continues to pick up steam week after week. I, I'll go out on a limb and say I don't see this going well for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I will say when they last saw Baker Mayfield, he actually had a good half against the Bengals, albeit in complete yeah. utter garbage time. Uh, but freed from the shackles of Matt Rule, who knows? Maybe that there's there's something to be said there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not that you know 
Rule was anti-Baker, though. It's like he was with Terrace Marshall, but you know, he wasn't necessarily that way with Baker Mayfield. Uh, Atlanta hosts Chicago. We'll talk about more about that side to, uh, about Chicago in a little bit here, too. Let's keep rolling through uh, the week that was in uh, week 10. Um, let's talk about the game in Germany. Let's talk about Tampa Bay. You know, big win for them. They're now five and five. Leonard Fournette left with a hip injury. Uh, he also threw an interception. Uh, don't let your non quarterbacks throw the ball. Yeah, it's cute when the trick play works, but mm-hmm. when it implodes like that, it's horrible. Uh, they said Adam Schefter reports, though, that Fournette will be able to play when they return from their bye in week 12. We'll see, though, because even before their injury, Rashad White was getting as many, if not more, carries than Fournette uh, and looked good doing so. 22 for 105, Fournette 14 for 57. Being able to run the ball is something they weren't able to do as a team as a whole earlier this year, uh, and especially in that really rough stretch. Uh, And it looks now like, okay, they rediscovered that that's a priority. Uh, It looks like that's working for them. Yeah, that's the clear takeaway from this game is for the first time in seemingly forever, Tampa Bay was able to get the ground game going and Seattle's defense took a huge step back in in this game. The offense didn't play well either, but could not get off the field, uh, letting up gash plays off the ground. Again, I mean, it feels like the script the last six weeks for Tampa Bay has been attempt to run the ball early and then realize it's not going to work. And Tom Brady has to drop back and pass every time. And that they finally didn't have to resort to that. You know, they they put together two back-to-back 13-play touchdown drives in the first half. Seattle just letting up a ton of third downs, a ton of broken coverages. I mean, Tampa Bay was 10 of 15 on third down in this game. Meanwhile, Seattle, one of nine on Yikes. third down. I mean, this, this felt like a, a big regression game for Seattle. Geno Smith played pretty badly until the end, was able to, to tack on two late touchdowns, but lost a massive fumble in the red zone, missed some big throws early on. And yeah. ironically, it was Seattle that couldn't get anything going on the ground. And this Tampa no. Bay run defense, I think the Bucks' run defense has kind of gone under the radar. You know, I think it's been lumped in with the Buccaneers' other struggles. I mean, that's that's by no means is the rush defense the issue for Tampa Bay. But it Kenneth was Walker, for a while, though. Carolina and Kansas City was, ran the, the ball issue. really well against them. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. That is true, I, I suppose. But Kenneth Walker, 10 for 17. In this game, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I thought this would be a, at least an average spot for Seattle. And um, it just this is one of those games from the jump. You just knew Seattle didn't didn't quite have it. It was a different team. And this really caught me off guard. I, I love this spot for Seattle. I was not ready to believe in Tampa Bay, but I thought we saw a different version of Tom Brady in this game as well. Like He was fired up pregame. He's fired up after their first touchdown drive. Um, you know, we we kind of it feels like we've seen a frustrated, subdued Tom Brady for much of the year. This, this reminded me of Tom Brady from a couple years ago. Yeah. I don't want to overconclude things about his personal life, but it is out there as a, as a theory. Um, but yeah, I mean, they look good now. They get the bye week, so I get some time to rest and recover. Uh, both them and Seattle do so. But nonetheless, don't forget about Rashad White. He's he's only twenty four percent rostered in ESPN leagues, forty four percent rostered in Yahoo leagues. So now worth a look and worth looking to see what people do with him this week, mm-hmm. just because. You know, they're if they're they're trying to find guys to pick up this week. Yeah. So every once in a while a viable player gets cut just because they're on by. So watch watch their drops pretty closely. Uh before we move on, every one of our uh podcasts are hosts on the Blue Wire Network. Thus, we'll play their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Thank you for your indulgence and in listening to the Blue Wire Network ads. Um, and thank you to Blue Wire Network for uh, hosting our podcast. Let's move on, uh, talk about the day slate here. Uh, Hey, let, let's get right into the game of the century of the week, uh, Minnesota and Buffalo. Uh, incredible game, lots of back and forth, improbable finish, crazy catches in this one here. Just, just a nutty game. Unbelievable game by Justin Jefferson. Unbelievable game by Kirk Cousins, uh, who, you know, the final line, 30 for 50, nothing fantastic there, but 357 yards, did have the two picks, but made some insane throws at the end of this game. Uh, to, to deliver Minnesota the victory. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw the stat 10 or excuse me, nine of Justin Jefferson's 10 catches. Uh, you know, if you look at next gen stats, had a completion percentage of under 50% as far as on average, this is not a complete pass. Nine of the 10 uh, were, were basically incredible catches by Justin Jefferson, including the one that, that is an all time, you know, contested catch on a fourth down, no less, you know, I got to have it yeah. fourth down. But to me, the far bigger takeaway here is we I, I'm worried about the bills and Josh Allen has not been a very good quarterback now for three straight weeks. You still see the highs, you know, the, 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 the wow throws are absolutely there for Josh Allen. Uh, but six picks in the last three weeks, five of those in the red zone. He lost a fumble in this game as well. The decision-making has been horrendous by Josh Allen. I mean, it, it, it's just, he, he completely loses his mind when he gets inside the 20 and we saw it yet again, where it looked like Buffalo was driving to win this game late uh, and then, you know, just throws an inexcusable pick nowhere near a receiver. I mean, it was, it was no. picked from the start. Um, it's been baffling and the elbow didn't really seem to bother him. I don't think you can use that as an excuse. I mean, the, the amount of just absolute killer mental mistakes from Josh Allen has been astonishing. And they've now gone three straight games without a touchdown in the second half have the bills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they had the game in hand 
They were rolling earlier. Like, yep. okay, Minnesota, there was a cu- your cute little seven and one. Now you're entering the big leagues, and Minnesota rose up. I've been asking all year. I don't know if Minnesota is actually really that good. I question. This answer. is an all-time run of luck. I'll tell you that. I mean, it feels like every single one of their wins has been lucky. But you know, if you do no, it eight times, th- but this is also. I mean, this this is a good team to be able to do that. Oh, of course. Also, and good coaching. You know, you, the yes. coaching change. Uh, I was talking with Alan Soslowski earlier too. It's not just that the Bills are benefiting; the Rams are hurting. They're missing McConnell. I, mean, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the other takeaways I'll have from this here. But uh, I mean, Josh Allen, fantasy day wise, three hundred thirty yards, eighty four yards rushing. I mean, it's crazy. But the fumble six, just a killer play. I mean, that was just a, that was a weird exchange at the snap. I'm not sure who yeah. to blame on that one there. I'm. I, I don't have the level of expertise to say that, but. Um, that you can't have that. You just can't have that. You absolutely cannot have that. You cannot have the interception on a fourth down or excuse me on a, a, I think they went for it on fourth down late. Yeah. Fourth and two at the seven, you know, they, they kind of try to do the, the rollout play that Josh Allen, it feels like it's thrown like five picks on this exact play this year. You need to get points there. I, I just don't, I don't yeah. understand, you know, you're up 10, uh, you know, with, with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I obviously it came back to bite them as it always seems like it does in these scenarios. Um, but you know, d- just you don't even have to get the touchdown. I just don't understand. Like they, they they're overly yeah. aggressive for no reason. I, I just don't see like why it feels like every well, week. Well, if they a, get the touchdown, they're up three scores. So sure. I just I I don't know. Like I, how many? It's this exact play has failed them multiple times this year. I just you That's feel true. like you would learn your lesson here. They're just it feels like they're pushing to run up the score rather than to win the game. I mm-hmm. guess or like kind of prove something to themselves. Like we we feel like we deserve a touchdown on this drive, so we're going for it no matter what. And you, it, some of these plays are just doing like, – you can tell right away. The first option's not there. Josh Allen's panicking. He's drifting. He's drifting. All of a sudden, he's at the sideline, and he has to toss it up because it's fourth down. Right. Um, yeah, it, and it, it, I just don't know what to think of the Bills because the highs, when they're at their best, I still think they're the best team in the league, and it's going to be tough to wash that away. Like, Josh Allen running the ball in this game, unbelievable. Had some insane like yeah. third down bailout rushes. I mean, he's bowling over guys. So you, it's, it's not like he's not playing well overall, but the – the lows have just been so, so low at this point. Like, I, I think he's played himself out of the MVP race at this point. I mean, unless Mahomes or, I mean, Jalen Hurts. a lot of football two, left to play. Two is four to one, or four to one, by the way, to, to win MVP, which I, I'm going to need to reckon with that personally. But, um, yeah, I shouldn't say he's played himself out of the race, but he certainly played himself, you know, out of that top three. Like, he needs to earn it back. I, I think it's no longer Josh Allen's MVP to lose, which I think it was two weeks Fair. ago. Fair, fair. I'll, I'll buy into that a little bit there. Bills are six and three. They're a half game behind the Chiefs, but they beat the Chiefs. They're they're a, ga- a, ga- a half game, or, or they're a game behind the Chiefs, I should say. They're a half game behind the Dolphins, who they also lost to. Uh, so there's that. Uh, they're tied with the Jets, who they've lost to, and they're tied yeah. with the Ravens and the Titans, who they smoked. And Titans are right. the one. Like, how are they there? It's 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 crazy. It's really crazy about that. But yeah, they 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 definitely have to. Uh, uh, they've got to write the ship. They don't want to have to be on the road. That's the thing. Exactly. They want to be able to have their fortress in the playoffs there. Mm-hmm. Going to Kansas City, I know they exercise some demons with a regular season win there, but they don't want to face the Chiefs in Kansas City in January. They just don't. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, they, they've been through that before, and it, and it did not go well. That is for sure. It kind of feels like the whole regular season is just building toward them, avoiding mm-hmm. that matchup, and they've they've played themselves into a hole. And maybe in retrospect, uh, we should have taken away uh, a little bit more from – how lackadaisical and kind of out of sorts they looked against Green Bay a few weeks ago. And of course they won that game. I mean, Green Bay uh, didn't play all that well either, but um, you know, that, that kind of that second half against Green Bay kind of felt like when things have turned now for Buffalo 
uh, with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, two more things that we could move on. So one, Naheem Hines played six snaps in this game. Uh, very concerning. Uh, I think, you know, at this point, obviously you got, you got to consider dropping him. I mean, it was a, a very Devin Singletary heavy game. He played 54 snaps, James Cook 13. Uh, again, only six for Hines. And then yep. going back to the fumble snap, weird play. You know, you're pinned at your goal line. It, 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 I don't know what the right call is, but do you think you just take the safety there? I, 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 we've seen that. We've seen a couple teams do that at this point. You know, you, you either you just take the shotgun snap, run around, and throw it out the back of the end zone. Like, is that the safest play? It might be. It might be. I'm trying to think. Uh, There's 41 seconds on the clock. You're 41. up 41. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, I mean, you're giving Minnesota would have time for maybe a quick drive and a field goal. So I, I get not doing it. Yeah, because then a field goal beats you. Right. Um, right. That's the tricky part there. Uh, but man, uh, and, and the fact that they couldn't stop Jefferson. I mean, yes, that's the thing is you're th- you're thinking all we all we need here is if we kick it back to them, they get the ball with probably 25 to 30 seconds. The one thing that beats us is a long jump ball, and we've already seen Jefferson do that five times today. So maybe that's in the right. back of their mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'm not. Sh- yeah, I think that that's the other thing I think about there for sure. But yeah, um, yeah, tough call, tough call. But man, they, uh, there, there's a lot of weird things happening at the, that end of the game there. But yep. that's a possibility. I could see that working too. Uh, Viking side, uh, Dalvin Cook ran, you know, had the huge run, obviously, the 81 yarder, but uh, 14 for 119. Uh, they could use him a little bit more maybe and get the pressure off of Cousins, who had to throw the ball 50 times. You know, Cousins had two picks, was sacked four times. You know, Jefferson bailed, balled out, obviously. You mentioned the, the stat about the catchable passes there, so that, that's kind of crazy. But uh, aside from that, I mean, they, they not a whole lot else out of this offense. Hawkinson got 10 targets. K.J. Osborne had 11 targets in this game, did very little with those targets, and Thielen did very little. Yeah, the, I feel had a couple big catches for first downs, but yeah, I mean, overall five for 49, no touchdowns. It, uh, it, it felt like the Jefferson show and, and rightfully so. I mean, uh, he's now vaulted himself kind of right back into contention uh, to lead the league in receiving yards uh, right there behind Tyree Kill and um, Hill, Diggs, Jefferson and Cup. I mean, those guys, those have been the big four in fantasy. Devontae Adams, not too far behind, but uh, we'll get to Cooper Cup in a little bit, but, you know, could potentially be missing time here. I, I think. Hill, Diggs, mm-hmm. Jefferson. That, that's probably going to end up being the big three by, by the end of the year. We'll see how Chase comes back from the injury, yep. though, too. Um, yep. I, I, I'm not willing to write him off of that top. In fact, hey, give me a little bit of a discount because if he I, I, if he fully heals, I, I mean, that's obviously a huge if, but mm-hmm. uh, the production will be there otherwise. Uh, okay, Detroit, Chicago. So, shocking uh, finish to this one here. 21 points in the fourth quarter for the Lions. Big pick six in this game. Justin Fields did Justin Fields things again, 147 rushing yards and two rushing TDs, two passing TDs. Uh, you know, offense is, is rolling right now for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Defense eh, still could use a little bit of work. Um, precious little, you know, work out of DeAndre Swift did get the touchdown, but yardage wise, he was, he had a nine yard run yet. He was six for six. So you, you tell me, I mean, that that's, that's, I don't think that's doing too much work there. And, in the passing game, it's Amon Ross, St. Brown, and that's it. That's the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a game that I, I don't think Detroit deserved to win by any means. Chicago was very much in control, and you know, you mentioned Justin Fields doing Justin Fields things. Uh, that pick six, that that was kind of early season Justin Fields. That was yes, a, it just was. a brutal, brutal play, an awful decision by Fields. You know, he's kind of he's rolling out, he's panicked, he just overthrows Cole Komet, just wide open Jeff Akuda. 
uh, for a pick six. And that, that completely flipped the game. And to Chicago's credit, you know, they came back, they got the ball back, immediately scored a touchdown, but they missed the extra point. Uh, and as always, missing the extra point, especially late in the game, always feels like it's going to matter. The defense cannot quite hold up. And, you know, we, I, I think game script wise, this went about as we expected, right? Like these are the yeah. games that Chicago's just going to play the rest of the year. I mean, their last three have been 49-29, 35-32, and now 31-30. I mean, it's it's great for fantasy. I mean, Fields continues to just be a complete monster. He was the number one quarterback yet again this week. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm still kind of having trouble valuing him in real life versus fantasy, but mm-hmm. I mean, fantasy wise, he's, he's an every week start at this point. I, I don't, I mean, 100%. that was probably the, that was probably the case last week as well. I know we discussed it a little bit on XM, but I mean, if, I don't know what else you need to see from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I still probably start Mahomes ahead of him every week. Uh, yeah. And Allen and then hurts hurts versus fields is, is a, is a debate, but right. I mean, that that's it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really it. Um, I, I, I take I start I start him over Lamar uh, right now, and I don't feel too bad about that decision. Uh, and it's weird because they they both suffer from a lack of support in terms of like talented players around him. He's really resuscitated a Cole Komet season. Mm-hmm. Komet is now how how high a, a, a do you put him on the tight end rankings for the rest of the season? That's a good question. Let me let me pull up the ranks here. So, uh, I mean, over the last. Five weeks. Yeah, Komet doesn't rank quite as high. Oh, he's number two. Excuse me. I completely missed him. I'm like, where yeah, is he? you're like, uh, yeah, he? he's number he? two where, behind oh, only Kelsey over the last yeah. five weeks. And by the way, Justin Fields is the number one quarterback in fantasy by 20 fantasy points uh, since week five. Um, Komet's right there. I mean, I, I, he's for sure an every week start at this point. That goes without saying. I, I think Kelsey's obviously ahead of him. I think healthy Mark Andrews is ahead of him. We'll, we'll see when we get that. Uh, you know, I, I, I would still put Dallas Goddard ahead of him. Zach Ertz, who knows what's going on there. It looked like he went out of that game uh, against Arizona. I'll have to check the follow-up there. It looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. So, yep. I mean, Cole Komet, borderline top five right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, he's hovering right there. Seven targets, the two touchdowns, and, you know, could have had more. Could have had more. So, uh, it's looking good. One thing about the Justin Fields explosion is it's hurt the running backs for the Bears. Now, Cleo Herbert got hurt in this game. Mm-hmm. Herbert was better than Montgomery, though. 10 for 57, Montgomery 9 for 37. Neither of them were involved in the passing game. And that's one thing. When you got a running quarterback, you don't have the checkdowns. You don't have the exactly. drop, the dump-offs there. So, that part of the game is just gone. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the most quarterbacks, you know, when you're, you're flushed out, you're scrambling around, you know, you're, you're looking for that check down, that dump off. That's not Justin Fields. You know, he, he's tucking and running that pretty much every single time. Ended up having 13 carries in this game. Uh, still not much of an impact from Chase Claypool as well. Um, you know, only had one catch in this contest and only played 19 snaps. Uh, you know, they're, they're still favoring Darnell Mooney. They're still favoring Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle. All those guys played more snaps than Chase Claypool. And Pringle's been hurt all year. And all right. of a sudden, he's getting more snaps than Claypool. I, that was bizarre. That was strange. I, I mean, you, you figure after a week and a half, you know, that there's plenty of time now for Claypool, but I guess not. Um, any other takeaways on the Lions side here? Uh, I mean, this felt like somewhat of a, you know, kind of a reemergence game from Amon Ross St. Brown, who was amazing those first like two and a half weeks of the season. Uh, much like DeAndre Swift, kind of felt like he was back, but not really back. Uh, was very much uh, back in the mix in this game. Uh, 10 for 119 on 11 targets. This was a, a pretty nice game from Jared Goff, uh, who clearly is not the long-term answer in Detroit, but uh, had been coming off of a string of, of pretty rough games after an encouraging start 
to the year. Uh, did not have an interception in this game. That's really all you're asking uh, of Jared Goff at this point. But I didn't think he played well against Green Bay. I mean, he was pretty disastrous against Miami and Dallas and New England. So, um, you know, Detroit season, I, I don't think this is really going to be a team that threatens for the playoffs at this point. But two straight wins now against NFC North opponents. Yeah, for sure. For all the good vibes from Justin Fields and the Bears, uh, they're three and seven. The Lions are three and six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, I, the Lions, I mean, this in long term, this might have hurt them. <laughs> it hurt them their chances of getting their franchise quarterback. Uh, but again, players and coaches don't tank. Front offices tank. Owners tank. Uh, so always remember that because, you know, they're, they're always going to battle. All right. Let's hear from our uh, title sponsor, No House Advantage. Uh, no House Advantage is sponsoring all of our uh, podcasts for the rest of the football season. They are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined. Because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. You also won't want to miss out on Nick Whalen talking about his favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, as you said, you feel pretty comfortable with how this game went. I feel pretty comfortable in how, about how this game went because Trevor Lawrence played well for the second yeah. straight week. We, you know, we said coming in, he's not really had two good back-to-back games in a row ever in his career. And obviously, he's only one and a half years in. So we're still working with a relatively small sample, but I thought he played really well in this game. He was under duress, did take five sacks, but made some really, really nice throws, kept the Jags in this game uh, when the defense, you know, really didn't have a ton of answers for Kansas city. And, you know, the chiefs were just on cruise control here. Mahomes throws for four touchdowns. Uh, They Kansas city ends up turning it over three times in this game. Uh, The Jags did not turn it over. They also went onside kick to begin the game and got that. So essentially plus four in the turnover margin. They're the only team, Uh, this season to be plus three or better in turnovers and not win the game. Uh, And let alone, like not only did they not win, they they still, they didn't even cover, you know, they lost this game by 10 points, but um, I never expected the Jags to win this game. Never really expected them to, to compete all that much, but I I came away relatively encouraged. You know, I think this was a really tough spot for them going to Arrowhead uh, going up against Patrick Mahomes. And um, you know, again, at this point in the year, the dreams of like winning the AFC South uh, that I thought was alive in week four is, is gone. (laughs) Uh, at this point. And, and to me, it's just about developing Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, reading, reading some stuff after the game, you know, kind of being on Jags Twitter as, as I want to do a lot of encouraging stuff. You know, normally when you lose a game by 10, it, it's all doom and gloom, but I, I, I really do feel like Trevor Lawrence has turned somewhat of a corner. I, I'm not ready to say he's just a, a great quarterback and he's going to be the next, uh, you know, Joe Burrow type of development story. But these last two weeks have been really good for Trevor Lawrence. And to me, that's really what matters at this point. Yeah. They almost got the backdoor cover. Um, they were down 27, 10 entering the fourth. So they got the touchdown, but one point off. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yay me because I had, I was on the chiefs, but nonetheless, you're right. 
Chiefs turned the ball over three times, uh, the interception and two fumbles. Pacheco was the man, 16 yeah. for 82, did lose the fumble. And if you're looking for uh, a lead lining in the silver cloud, uh, no targets in the passing game. So he's not involved. But CEH played like four snaps. He's he's de- he's done and buried right now in this offense. Yeah, that was huge. We we finally you know kind of got the uh, you know the follow up I guess to to the report from three weeks ago that uh, Pacheco was going to be the guy. And even after the fumble, he was still the guy. You know they they, they yeah. were taking reps away. He wasn't in the doghouse. That's good to see. Uh, Jarek McKinnon essentially operated as the number two. Obviously, uh, a guy who's involved a ton in the passing game. He had eight targets. Uh, had some pretty nice plays, you know, catches and runs and, you know, juking out guys as, as he does. Uh, thir- so 24 snaps for McKinnon, just four for CEH, like you said, 35 for Isaiah Pacheco. We saw Kadarius Toney make some plays in this yeah. game. Um, you know, had a touchdown, uh, only played 28 snaps, ran 17 routes on those 28 snaps, was targeted five times. But, uh, you know, we've talked about him as kind of a luxury piece for the Chiefs. That's exactly what it felt like. And I think he had to do a little bit more because Juju Smith-Schuster – went out of this game after taking a really, really brutal hit to the head uh, from, uh, I believe it was Cisco, Andre Cisco for mm-hmm. the Jets. I don't know how he wasn't ejected from this game. That was about as cut and dry as it gets. Yeah, and we saw an ejection in the Sunday night game uh, yeah. on something that was a little bit more debatable. Uh, I thought so too, yeah. I, I yeah. thought the I thought Cisco was gone for sure. Yeah, I agreed. And remember, they played this game without Nicole Hardman. So, yep. you know, Tony kind of took over that role. He had two carries also for 33 yards, so... Yep. You know, he, he, he's, you know, he's not available in too many leagues. Uh, that's the one thing. But if he is, hap- doesn't happen to be available, you know, of course, snatch him up. If Juju doesn't play this upcoming week, that could be a pretty valuable spot. Uh, they have some time to game plan them in a little bit more. They, they get, that game got flexed to the Sunday night game at the Chargers. Took away yep. Bengals-Steelers Titanic clash off of that there. So only two of the three uh, road division games are in prime time. I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm great. I think I think the Steelers are to blame for that more than the Bengals. Uh, that's that's for sure. And you I'll know, take losing it, Jamar Chase takes some star power away. You're right about Tony. I mean, in competitive leagues, he's not out there, but he's still rostered in less than half of ESPN leagues, 47.5 percent mm-hmm. right now. So and if you're playing in a couple casual leagues, some work leagues, go out and grab Kadarius Tony. I I'd be pretty surprised if Juju plays next week. I mean, again, you never want to read too far into it. He was able to get up off his own, you know, off the field, get off under his own power, but. That was one, too, where right away you could see, like, his hand was kind of, like, stuck in one position, like, kind of reminiscent of the Tua injury. Just yeah. Yeah, yeah, not something you like to see, and I would not be surprised, you know, given how much depth they have at receiver. Uh, obviously, if, if it ends up just being something that looks more severe than it was, he could play, but um, I, I think they're going to give him a, a longer runway here. Yeah. MVS actually got checked out at one point in this game, yeah. too. They could have really been down wide receivers there. So, of course, Noah Gray scores. Uh, of course, you know, of course. They, of course, they find a way because Mahomes is a cheat code. Yep. Uh, that, that, you know, but Valdez Scantling could be someone that's interesting next week, too. Only four targets this past week. But mm-hmm. if Juju's out, if Hardman's out, he's also a guy you should consider. And there's a lot of quality receivers out the Miami receivers, the Seattle receivers, Tampa Bay receivers, and Christian Kirk on the Jaguars, too. So yeah. there's a lot of good wide receivers on by this upcoming week. Uh, yeah, looking it's at- going to be tough. For, it's going to be tough for managers who are without Marvin Jones this week. You know, you're, yeah, you're not going to have Jamal Agnew. It's going to be brutal. Yeah, exactly. What do you do, indeed? Uh, but looking at the Jaguars, I we were talking earlier how we're a little concerned about you know Travis Etienne being able to hold up under such yeah. a heavy workload. He only got 11 carries, got three catches on three targets. You know, for you know, 
I, I kind of thought they'd use them a little bit more. Maybe because they fell behind so fast so yeah. early. Maybe that, that got scripted out a little bit. But still, got to get your best player more touches. I think that's exactly what happened. I, you know, they, they obviously tried to catch the Chiefs off guard with that onside kick. I think they wanted to go up early and mm-hmm. you know, kind of be able to play their game and use ETN. Um, and you know, all of a sudden they're down 20 to seven at halftime and, and that's not the case. So yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 40 times. I don't think that's really the plan. Uh, you know, the previous two games, he threw it 31 times. I think that's closer uh, to what the Jags are looking for. And I, I think you're right. It was just a, it was a game script situation for ETN. Like the snap load was still there. 49 snaps to 15 for Jermichael hasty. Who's very clearly the number two guy at this point. I, right. I know at some point they, you know, they, their, their GM Trent Balky said at some point they want to take a look at Snoop Connor. I don't know what that really means. I mean, for fantasy purposes, I, I don't think it means anything nope. as long as ETN is healthy, but um, yeah, I think they just had to play from behind. So they had to get away from ETN and in some ways it did feel like he was due for, for a game like this, a little bit of regression after some huge weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, Miami Cleveland. This was a blowout. You know, Cleveland Cleveland was got the early score. And you're like, okay, this could be a game. Not so much. Miami Miami took, just took care of business in this game. Yeah, they really did. And you know, Cleveland came out, goes up seven nothing. You're thinking, all right, this is going to be a back and forth game. Cleveland can run the ball on Miami. Miami can throw the ball on Cleveland. And you know, Nick Chubb has the fumble uh, on Cleveland's second drive. From then on, I mean, the, the route was essentially on. Um, you know, yeah. Miami up 17-7 to at the half. They get the ball to start the third quarter, march right down, um, go up 24-7. And, and really, at that point, you kind of felt like it was over. I mean, the offense was clicking uh, at a level that you know, is as best as we've seen all year from Miami. Tua goes 25 of 32 for 285 and three touchdowns. And, you know, the passing game, that, that's been there all year. But this really felt like the best mix of run and pass that we've seen from Miami all year. So, you know, not only do, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle four for 66, Tyreek Hill gets in the end zone. Like those guys are eaten, but Jeff Wilson, 17 for 119 and a touchdown. Most yeah. had a couple long runs as well. I mean, this, this Miami offense, man, it, it is really, really scary. I think you look back at that game uh, where they, they had the big comeback against Baltimore. They beat the bills n- the next week. And we're thinking, all right, you know, the, the dolphins are a little frisky. I mean, this, this offense, it, it's reminiscent of Cincinnati, Last year, like when they get hot, they could beat anybody. Uh, I saw an NFL network this morning. Uh, I forget who it was compared them to, I, I think it was that 2016 Falcons team. They yeah. got really hot midseason and ran all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you could you could start to see the blueprint for Miami. It's been really, really impressive. Yep. It's nice having, the, you know, the bankable wide receivers and yes. Tua every single week. Although it's funny. Waddle was four for 66. Tyreek Hill, five for 44. This is their lowest output in a while. But guess what? That's because they were winning by so much. They could run the ball. I mean, I frankly, I'm, I'm a little surprised Cleveland came out so flat. I mean, they had a big rousing win on Halloween, had the bye week, getting healthy. All right, Not let's go. Back. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, with you. And and I don't know if they came out flat. I mean, they, they scored the touchdown on their first drive, but that was it. It, it felt yeah. like they had their game script. And once those plays were done, it was like, uh, okay, well, I, maybe we weren't prepared for this avalanche that is the – Miami offense, I mean, 31, 35, 39 points in the last three weeks for Miami. I think we're seeing what a healthy Tua can do for this team versus Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson. You know, they went mm-hmm. through that swoon uh, kind of in the middle, early part of the season after the Tua injury. But, man, this team is rolling right now. And, uh, you know, they, they have the bye coming up. And then after that, home for the Houston Texans. So you love that matchup. Uh, Dolphins at Niners in week 12. Yeah. That is going to be 
uh, as the kids say, Jeff, a banger of a matchup. Nice. Nice. Um, and I'm always get good to get cat caught up on the lingo too. Thank you for that. Appreciate <laughs> you there. Uh, Kareem hunt, nothing six for nine on the ground. And then one catch only one target. Amari Cooper got three targets. This is supposed to be a smash matchup for him. And he got three targets. Donovan people's Jones was the main guy for them. Yeah. I mean, and even game script wise too, like going in, it seemed like a great matchup for Amari Cooper. Yeah. And you're playing fine. You would think, all right, this, this is even better if you're an Amari Cooper owner, but uh, this was not a great game for Jacoby Brissett. Just kind of looked a little off throughout the day. Ended up being sacked three times. Tua was untouched, by the way. Really no pressure at all yeah. uh, from this Cleveland defensive line. And yeah, nice day for Peoples-Jones. But yeah, big time letdown uh, from Amari Cooper. And even Nick Chubb, he did have the the typical fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, one of my buddies texted me and said, Nick Chubb has to lead the NFL in meaningless fourth quarter touchdowns since he entered the league. I looked it up. He has 19 fourth quarter touchdowns of 20 yards or more. Wow. Since entering the league. That is far and away uh, a league high. So if it, if it seems like every week the Browns are like down three touchdowns and then Nick Chubb rips off like a 30 yard touchdown, it's because it seemingly is happening like once every three weeks. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's when they're winning too. But, yes, yeah. uh, and that's the prototypical wear the opponent down, keep grinding sort of run that yep. makes him such a great player. But yeah. Uh, and that, hey, I, I have good amount of exposure to Nick Chubb. But I was very happy to see that. Uh, saved his day because otherwise it was a disastrous day for him too. Uh, Less said about Cleveland, the better. I think that's a good rule of thumb in life. Let's move on. Uh, We'll talk about the Giants and the uh, Texans next. I know that be still your beating heart, but before we do that though, quick note from our friends at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, so the Giants, they, they won 24-16, to 16, a... Near, you know, you know, Houston tried to kind of sneak in late to try to you know, prevent the cover. But honestly, this is a game where Houston just doesn't have the talent. I think they play hard. I think they keep things close for a while. We saw it against Philly. But at the end of the day, they just don't have a whole lot of talent out there. Yeah, I mean, they're a relatively well-coached team. Uh, they put up a fight in the first half, at least, against Philly last week. I, I don't think anybody really expected that. And, mm-hmm. you know, this game was, was probably closer than it should have been. Uh, you know, the Giants, it, it always felt like they were in control, but they needed a couple big plays and needed a couple turnovers. Uh, they had a fumble and an interception on back-to-back possessions in the second half. Um, yep. You know, the, the interception coming deep uh, in their own territory. I mean, Brian Dable was fired up early in this game. He's, he's shouting at his offensive line. Uh, clearly, I think they expected to play better than they did at least early on, but the defense showed up I thought for the Giants, forcing three straight three and outs to begin the game for yeah. Houston. Took the offense a little bit of time to get going, but back-to-back touchdown drives to begin the second half. That was big. And, you know, from then on, the Giants just do what the Giants do every single week and just kind of bleed you out slowly. It, it wasn't all that impressive. You know, there, there's not a lot of big plays. We saw uh, a couple more drops for Kenny Galladay in this Ugh. game. Um, but but as expected, it was a Saquon Barkley day. Uh, ended up being a Darius Slayton day, thanks to a long touchdown. Um, but this was exactly what you expect from the Giants. Daniel Jones, 13 of 17, 197, two touchdowns. I mean, that's that's the recipe. Yep. I did not rank Kenny Galladay in the value meter this week. Uh, and I'm 
feeling pretty good about that because he had the yep. really bad drop and then you never saw him again. He was gone. Never, didn't even get back on the field there. Uh, Wandale Robinson. I like the idea of Wandale Robinson better than the actual production from him. I'm, I'm stealing your line there, but uh, Adam Weber, you were asking about which player to drop for e, uh, Eli Mitchell coming off IR. I drop Wandale. I, I just don't, I can't see myself starting him. Yeah. Again, I love the idea of him. You know, I, I think every, every team, like every fan, every fantasy player, like you want, you want these guys who are these gadgety dynamic, like any play could turn into a touchdown mm-hmm. type of guys, but he's just not in the right offense for that. I mean, that's not really what the giants do. This is by no means an offense that creates big plays. And um, he just kind of feels like he, if he was on another team that maybe did a little bit more downfield, you would like it. But um, you know, the snaps are there, the routes are there, the targets are not, you know, you play 52 right. snaps, you get targeted twice. I think that tells you all you need to see. I agree. I agree. And uh, just the volume's not there. And maybe if the game script's different and they're playing from behind, it's a little bit different. But sure. they, they asked him to throw 17 times. It's it's like yeah. trying to invest in an Atlanta quarterback or Atlanta wide receiver. It's just, yeah. it's just the volume's not there. Well, and the Giants just don't play from behind, you know, for better or for worse. Like, I, I still don't think this is a very good seven and two team, you know, when you compare it to other teams that, that have this kind of record. But they're, they find ways every week. It doesn't seem to matter who the opponent is. They're at least in every game. You know, the Seattle game was somewhat of a no-show, but every team has a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they get Detroit next week. You like your yep. chances there. At Dallas the following week on a Thursday. Uh, I believe that's that's a Thanksgiving game. Um, you know, the short week, who knows? It's not a great matchup. But then Commanders, Eagles, Commanders. So, you know, three of your next five matchups you love on paper. Yeah. Although those, com- you know, division games, you never know. But yeah. those can Commanders have been frisky. Yeah. Uh, commanders, by the way, get, uh, the Texans next week. So, uh, we'll see about that one there for the Texan side of things. Uh, Nico Collins, 10 targets, most targeted player, got the touchdown for the Texans. Damian Pierce runs hard every time we say that, but, uh, you know, it's just, there's just not a whole lot of offense to be had there. Otherwise. No, not really. I mean, Brandon cooks was back in the mix. Didn't do a whole lot. Uh, you know, Pierce had the fumble too. That was pretty brutal. Uh, was running really well, fumbled it, you know, inside the 10 yard line of the giants that, that yeah. to me, that that's kind of when you felt like the game was, was really over. I mean, the Texans yeah. kept kind of battling back every time the giants would score, you know, they would answer and it's back to a one score game. Uh, but those are the kind of mistakes really that have haunted Houston all year. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And you know, uh, you know, and that also killed Pierce's chances for like getting the touchdown, which would have really made his fantasy day. He got the yardage, yeah. but other than that, I mean, it's tough. You're not, you're not getting a whole lot of the passing game with him either. Similar to some other top running backs there. Uh, all right. Pittsburgh and new Orleans, uh, not a lot of offense to be had in this one, but the Steelers did rediscover the running game. Yeah, they did. I mean, Najee Harris back from the dead, uh, 20 for 99 in this game. Um, you know, wasn't able to get a touchdown like George Pickens and Kenny Pickett had the two rushing touchdowns right, right. for Pittsburgh on the day, Pickett on a sneak. I mean, Najee Harris was tackled like an inch from the goal line and watching that game, just begging him to get over there. Uh, but you know, I, I'm also not, I'm also never going to fault a team for running a QB sneak because it seems like it works every time. Uh, yeah. that was the case in this game, you know, Pittsburgh needed the score there. Uh, you know, George Pickens, nice to kind of use him in a different role, getting him out in space, had a couple of carries in this game. Deontay Johnson had a couple of nice catches. I, I still didn't think Kenny Pickett played all that well. Uh, no. you know, had some big scrambles that that was kind of the big advantage, uh, having Pickett in this game, but overall took six sacks. Uh, didn't make a ton of great throws downfield, missed some receivers. So I, I remain uh, very skeptical on what that's going to be long-term. But, man, it feels like the Saints have, have kind of entered a free fall here. I uh, had that big win 
over the Raiders a few weeks ago. That, Which that is looking felt like smaller. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that felt like a stop the bleeding win at the time. They had, they had just lost to the Bengals and the Cardinals. And you're like, okay, I mean, that was a, that was a dominating win. And yeah, that means nothing now, uh, given what the Raiders have done since. And the saints completely no showed against Baltimore in primetime last week. And you know, give them credit. They, they did rally back to, to tie this game at the half, but did nothing, nothing on offense in the second half and some more poor play from Andy Dalton, who I, I think at this point we might see Jameis uh, whenever he's ready to go. I, I think it might be time to at least give him a try. Could be the whole Sam Ellinger is our starter for the rest of the season. Okay. Maybe not really uh, yeah. sort of story here. Yeah, um, Dalton's played his way out of it. I think. I think so too. Uh, and this wasn't even a primetime game, so you can't blame that. Uh, and it really, you know, Alvin Kamara got eight carries. Remember when he was getting tons of carries? Uh, he had four targets in the passing game. Just, you know, he he's bottled up when the team is bottled up like that. They ran 45 snaps. The Steelers ran 79. Uh, yeah. That checks Man, out. When, if you watch this game, it, it felt like the Saints never had the ball. Yep. Yep. Two interceptions for Dalton, two sacks. Taysom Hill was an, had a nothing burger. Uh, that's the thing about Taysom Hill, too. When you're uh, rostering him at tight end, okay, great. You have him at tight end. Yep. The floor is lava. I mean, there is, there's a very bad floor for him, and this is it. Yep, 100%. And this Pittsburgh defense, I mean, with TJ Watt back, they were ready. I think this, you know, like you said, you made this your best bet. So you, we, we kind of saw this coming. I, I wasn't quite ready to, to go to that territory, but uh, I know the Saints ended up, yeah, I think this line closed at like Saints minus one, one and a half. Um, but it, it really did feel like this was a good spot for Pittsburgh and, and they delivered for sure. Yeah. 19 plays, by the way, for the saints in the second half, 19 Ugh. plays that is horrific. And that comes with, you know, three turnovers and three straight drives, uh, including going out on, on a four and out, uh, when they absolutely needed it. And we should say Chris Boswell's on IR for the Steelers, uh, Matthew, Wright, I believe that their backup kicker missed two very makeable field goals, including one that was under 40 yards in the second half. So uh, that, in some ways, kind of kept the Saints alive in this game. It, it could have been a, a right. more lopsided result in favor of the Steelers. Heinz Field, notoriously a tough place to kick, but still, come on. Yeah, one uh, of them was a 38-yarder. Yeah, exactly. We might be seeing uh, – he might be Matthew Wrong for them, uh, and we might be going <laughs> to somebody else next. Uh, and they need Mr. Right now while Boswell's yep. out. I, I'm not going to hold either of those puns against you. Thank uh, you. But we should probably move on. Yeah, we probably should. All right, Tennessee and Denver. Yay, another good offensive battle here. Yeah. Woo! next tennis okay mike vrabel is a hell of a coach that's all i'm gonna say i mean they get outgained every week you look at this team you're like where's the juice there's no juice here uh the you know derrick henry was kept contained 19 for 53 tennessee finds a way to win every week they find a way to win and and cover bless their little hearts um you know it was it was not you know ryan Tannehill actually kind of came up big 255 t- uh, yeah. yards. It was the Nick Westbrook Akini game. Uh, we'll always have that. And he, he had a big game. Five for 119, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else in this game. Uh, but Tennessee finds a way to win. And their defense, it's its their defense. Their defense is just every week. They're just nasty, gnarly teams. They, they had the one big bad game against Buffalo. But otherwise, their defense shows up every week, even when they lose. Yeah, they really do. And I, I thought they would miss Justin Simmons maybe a little bit more in this game. I, I, I took Tennessee to win, thought Denver could cover in what would be a really, really close game. And yeah, it was a touchdown result. Tennessee did cover, but this was this was close throughout. And you, you really didn't know, you know, going into the fourth quarter how this was going to break. Denver had a drive to tie 
at the end of the game, of course, ends in a brutal Russell Wilson interception. It was a fourth down play. He had to throw it, you know, it was 20 seconds left, but it feels like mm-hmm. that script has played out so many times already this season for Denver, but you're right. You got to tip your cap to the Tennessee defense. I mean, they've won what six out of their last seven now since that blowout uh, win against the bills where, you know, at that point you're thinking like, man, this team might be headed for a hard reset and you beat the Raiders by two. You beat the Colts by seven, the commanders by four, the Colts by nine, the Texans by seven, lose to the chiefs by three, beat the Broncos by seven. I mean, all these games have been razor, razor thin margins. Yep. And they're just a team that you trust, you know, in the, like Denver is the complete opposite, right? Like they're, they're driving with a chance to tie the game. And you're thinking, I have how are no they going to blow it? I have no yep. faith. They're going to blow this. When Tennessee has the ball in those situations, you just trust it. Even if it's Nick Westbrook, Akina ripping off 63 yard touchdowns, you know I mean? It's, they just keep finding ways. This is not a talented roster at all. I think in a lot of ways, they are kind of a mirror image of the New York Giants. Yeah, not a talented offensive roster. The defense is loaded. Defense uh, is they were missing yep. four starters, and they still sacked uh, Russell Wilson six times, had the interception. He put the ball on the ground three times. They recovered all of them, but still, that, that's a good way to break down, break up an offense. So mm-hmm. He had the yardage, 286 passing yards, but took 42 attempts to do so, 21 of 42, very inefficient. Had the uh, Jalen Virgil big play, which we all had on our bingo card. Uh, you know, that's the one touchdown. Jerry Judy got hurt in this game early. He's out multiple weeks. It looks like that's bad news. Cortland Sutton, he got 11 targets. So he kind of resuscitated his value a little bit there, but not a lot to recommend out of here. Greg Dolchich, uh, I, I started him in a number of places. This was a disappointment. Um, the backfield, nobody had more than nine carries. Murray had more carries than anyone. Nobody did anything there though. Um, not much to recommend from this Denver offense. No, it looks like it's the same old Broncos. And, you know, maybe I was grasping at straws a little bit saying like, did they maybe discover something in that final drive against the Jags in London? You know, that felt like a a potential turning point for a team that just needs something this season to get that offense going. And I think the answer is no, Uh, this offense looked exactly the same as it has the previous nine weeks and they get the Raiders next week. That's the only real positive, I I guess. I mean, good luck picking that game. Yikes. Uh, But I, I saw a crazy stat the other day uh, on Twitter, I guess it was yesterday. The Broncos would be eight and one if they could just score 18 points in regulation in every game. I mean, we're not asking for much here. Like the defense remains. I thought the defense once again, played really well. You know, you you can't, they're they're asking so much of this defense to just, you know, you're off the field. Then, you know, four plays later, you're back out there. Uh, This game started with nine straight punts, by the way. I mean, both defenses played really well. I, I, I feel bad. Uh, for those Broncos defenders, because this has been a Super Bowl caliber defense, 100%. And the offense has just not even come close to living up to the billing. No, no, they haven't. Um, so, yikes. I don't know what their solution is for them going forward, but uh, it, it's not great. Not great at all. I mean, no. I guess the Raiders are your solution, but they're also, yeah. they're, they're three and six. I mean, they're in a tough spot here. Tennessee they goes really on are. the road to face Green Bay, though. So, that'll, we'll see. We're about to talk about, about the Packers, but... That all that, that this feels like a tougher game than it did two weeks ago. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and I, I have not looked at the lines next week at all. I cannot wait to see what that, that Broncos Raiders line is. Maybe, maybe Vegas just takes it off the board. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, so there you go. Let's talk about the Packers. Uh, right. Packers, big comeback win over the uh, Cowboys. Cowboys had them. It was 28 14. Packers found a way to, you know, to do what they haven't done all season long. Throw the ball when they needed to. 
Yeah, they did the unthinkable and overcame uh, yet another Amari Rogers muff punt uh, or a fumble, I should say, on a punt. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's his like seventh or eighth total fumble uh, on a punt in his career. It's just been disastrous. Yeah. This is the second time this year that it felt like that completely flipped a game. Um, and, and, you know, Dallas controlled this game throughout, at least on the scoreboard. Uh, it maybe wasn't all that convincing. And obviously they end up losing this game. But Dak throws it through back to back interceptions. Both of them, you know, seem like kind of miscommunications with receivers or with his tight end Dalton Schultz. One of those came deep in the red zone. So to me, yeah. this, this just felt like Dallas kind of continuing to keep the door open for green Bay. And it also felt like by far the worst performance of the season for this Dallas defense that has been so, so good and so bankable week yeah. to week. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers only sacked twice in this game really wasn't under all that much pressure, a, a ton of broken coverages. Uh, you let Christian Watson get loose for three touchdowns. You know, a lot of those, uh, with some long air yardage, uh, they were giving up third downs. It was, it, it was an uncharacteristic performance by the Dallas defense, and also uh, the best performance in a while for this Packers offense. Which uh, it feels like kind of finally struck that perfect balance between the run and the pass. Uh, Thirty-seven carries for AJ for AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones in this game. Only twenty pass attempts for Aaron Rodgers, but a very efficient day. Three touchdowns. Still got over two hundred yards. Like that feels like that was the recipe coming into the year and green Bay just hasn't been able to find ways to stick to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they didn't find themselves in long down and distance situations. Maybe yep. uh, they trusted them, the running game a little bit more on third down than they have in previous weeks. Uh, Cause you know, Aaron Jones, so much for him being in a walking boot on Monday. We're not sure if he's going to be able to play. Oh, only 24 for 138 and yeah, a touchdown. What a day. What a day. Yep. Yeah. He looked fantastic. <laughs> Did not appear limited at all. Um, really, this was a pretty even game. If you dig into a lot of like the team numbers, just the basic stats, I mean, yeah. everything was pretty equal back and forth game. Uh, really fun to watch. That's for sure. I thought it did feel like Dallas, you know, they got the ball first in overtime, felt like they were about to march to a score, had two back to back, pretty oh, rough no. penalties. Yeah. Holds that, that, that put them in a hole and, uh, didn't love the call, uh, you know, to, to, to go for it on fourth down, uh, that felt like kind of a force, although, you know, you're, you're at the 35, so it's not a, a gimme field goal by any means, but to me there, I you know, would have looked to take the points. And, um, you know, I, I think they also lost out on that third down play very much looked like Jair Alexander uh, was in early uh, on CD lamb. Yeah, he was early and the holding call. I thought was a little very questionable shaky. Uh, and that was a big play because they had gotten a first down on that run. And all yep. of a sudden now they got long, they long yardage. Uh, I thought that was a big, big call. The, the decision to go for it. I have zero problem with it was a 53 yarder and they're yeah. like, well within Maher's range. Are you kidding? 53 that, that yards at Lambeau that, Field? I, I, I'm glad you caught that too, because I, I was thinking like, yeah, he could make it, but like they were talking about it like it was just a gimme, you know, well within his range. I mean, I don't care who the kicker is. 53 is, is not a gimme unless you're Justin Tucker. Right. I mean, come on. And on top of that, if he misses, they actually get better field position. Uh, it, it was mind boggling to me. It was not like a transparently easy decision that they were making it out to be at all. And they, 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 they said it like even before, like the decision on four, like even on third down, they're like, well, this is in within Maher's range. Yeah. He, he was making them 58 in warmups. Yeah. With no pressure, nobody rushing him. Come on. Yeah. He, he made one from 58. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. Had a cold day in green Bay. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Maybe the more we talk about it, that it was the right call, but um, the way Dallas was running the ball too. I mean, they, they, they pass on third and three and then you pass again on fourth down. And I get it. It's tough to run the ball in that fourth down situation. That's for sure. But yeah. that was what was working for them and for the, for them to go away from it on third down, especially, uh, you know, knowing that you're probably going for it on fourth, if you don't get it, 
Um, I, I think you have two downs to pick up three yards with that yeah. running game and that offensive line. You got to like your chances there. Yeah. Tony Pollard looked great. Malik Davis looked pretty good as the backup. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were running the ball very effectively in that game. Both teams were running the ball really well. All right. We haven't spent any time talking about Christian Watson yet. Obviously, we, he, you know, this was his emergence game. Mm-hmm. Four for 107, three touchdowns, eight targets total in this game. It helps that, you know, everybody else seems to be hurt. But it was Watson. It wasn't Torrey. Uh, Torrey didn't even get a target in this one here. Uh, but which, this is all the more remarkable that they were able to do this when they got only three catches for Alan Lazard and, you know, no Torrey, no Dubs, uh, no Randall Cobb, security oh. blanket. Yep. Tunyon got one target on the game. I mean, they, this, this was a big coming out party for Watson. What do you expect from him going forward? I think in the short term, you got to try to ride this. I mean, unfortunately, you're, you're going into a short week against the Tennessee defense. So uh, you, know, you don't feel great about that matchup. Although, you know, you didn't feel great about this Cowboys matchup either. Um, so if you could do it against uh, the Cowboys defense, it does seem fairly projectable. I mean, he's not, he's not going to have three touchdowns every week. I think we know that, but right. um, I, I think he's probably a number two right now in terms of trusted receivers that are healthy for Aaron Rodgers. Right. Like as long as Romeo Dobbs is out, I, I think you got to consider Christian Watson, who by the way, is 6% owned in ESPN league. So he's absolutely available. This does probably strike me as a situation where everybody's going to go grab him. And then maybe there's a letdown in week 11, but I think the big play potential with him, that that's what's so appealing is like any play could turn into a touchdown for Christian Watson. And I don't think you could say that about anyone else in, on this green Bay offense. I mean, we saw it like in overtime, Alan Lazard, you know, great play call on third down and the Packers kind of you know fake one way. Lazard's wide open over the middle. And the announcers are like, it's a foot race. And Lazard is tackled at like the 20 yard line. Like he had yeah, no yeah. chance. And he was definitely line. looking both ways. Where's the hit coming from? Where's the hit coming yeah, from? Yeah, exactly. It was, it, was, but, it was almost comical, but yeah. like he just, he just, you know, if Christian Watson catches that, he's gone. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, Lazard was so easily caught. That was the, that, yeah. that was the rope. Only 9% roster in Yahoo too, by by the way. So I've noticed consistently the, like, ro- like the roster percentages are heavier on Yahoo than ESPN. Um, for whatever it's worth. For instance, Rashad White, 24 and 44, respectively. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 21 and 35%, respectively. Uh, Pacheco is the only one that was pretty much even, uh, the ones that I was looking at. We were doing sneaky ads with Alan earlier today, so I was looking at all those roster percentages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. But, you know, for at least one week, era of good feelings in Green Bay. Um, where there's not good feelings is with your Super Bowl champs, the L.A. Rams. Uh, lost 27-17 at home to the Cardinals. Worse, they lost Cooper Cup. Uh, and, you know, he had a horrible fantasy day before that. And, you know, this is the second time, same ankle. The talk coming out of there is not good. I'm not, I'm, I think we're looking at an absence now for Cup. Yeah, I think the, the word this morning is he's going to miss, quote, some time, uh, which for fantasy is almost the worst case scenario. Who knows yeah. what that means? Um, and, and the Rams at this point, I mean, their season's close to being over. Uh, you know, losing this game, it was the backup quarterback off between Wolford uh, and McCoy. And I, I mean, the Rams, you take away Cooper cup, like what's left in this offense at, at this point. I mean, it's, it was it ugly when be, Cooper yeah. cup was healthy and it's going to get really rough here. Uh, I think these next couple of weeks, um, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I mean, obviously for fantasy, it's devastating because even as the Rams are losing five of their last six, you know, Cooper cup was still producing every single week, but um, I, I don't think this is a team that's in any position. You know, you, you don't rush back, you know, when your team is, is this disastrous, you got three wins on the year. Uh, it feels like you might be the worst team in your own division now after yeah. losing to the Cardinals. So I, I obviously it's 
it'd be foolish to say he's going to miss the rest of the season, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out, you know, three, four weeks, which is essentially the rest of the fantasy season. Yeah. Um, right. And if he's out three, four weeks, he could be out more because if they're out of it, so be it. I mean, they do get the saints this week. It's a chance for him to kind of maybe make some strides back, you know, you know, see the division's not out of the, out of hand. That's the thing. You know, you, you look at the standings uh, and, you, you, you know, Seattle lost. That helps. They're six and four. San Francisco's five and four. San Francisco's got the hammer on them as the problem. They beat them both times. So they, they're really, you know, they're two and a half games behind the Niners, not two games, uh, really. That That's the one downfall of that. But five and four is still, they're, they're not going to run away with it. They If they put together a run, it's one thing. But the chances of them putting together a run is the tricky part. Um, and the Cardinals are at four and six. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's not – the division's by no means settled, but they're also at the bottom of it. Uh, we had a question. Uh, you know, Sebastian's asking, I don't have a backup behind Urch. Should I trade Jacoby Myers for Higby, especially with Cup out? Yes, absolutely. Do that trade. Yeah, no question about that. Um, saw Higby, you know, pulling some targets late in this game after Cooper Cup went out. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you got to look into Van Jefferson as well. Uh, it's it's a it's going to be a gross offense. I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of production yeah. here going forward, but you know, they're, they're still going to score touchdowns. There's still going to be yards to be had. Um, some of it's going to trickle down to Allen Robinson. Uh, but yeah, Van Jefferson, I mean, even in deeper leagues, maybe you, you look into grabbing Skoranek. Um, but again, it, it's going to be pretty ugly. And uh, you know, much like Denver getting the Raiders next week, the Rams get the saints. So two teams that, that feel like they're at rock bottom right now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Arizona, on the other hand, they, they won without Kyler Murray. Um, yeah. They, they, uh, yeah, you know, James Conner got two touchdowns. He wasn't especially efficient, 21 for 69. Uh, but it was he's the only back now. Uh, I have Eno Benjamin a couple of places. I can wash my hands of that. He's a cut. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore got theirs. They lost Zach Ertz, and that's a bad one there. Um, mm-hmm. it, that looks like it's going to be out multiple weeks with him. I guess pick up Trey McBride if you if if you need to pick up someone. Allen was making the case for him earlier today, uh, so that's something we can talk about. Uh, but they got by on this game. They did. They did. And it was a game that they controlled throughout. You know, it was close early on, but, uh, you know, Arizona led this game 17 to three at the half. And it never really felt like they, they let control uh, slip. Uh, there, was, right. there was at one, one point where it was 17, 10 and the Rams had a chance and, you know, the Arizona defense stepped up, slammed the door. Um, and then the Cardinals were able to rip off a, a touchdown drive that, uh, by the way, included a, a wild catch by Rondale Moore on a yeah. fourth down. They, they went they went with the dreaded like go route basically on fourth down down the sideline. Great throw from Colt McCoy. Better catch by Rondale Moore to pull it in and keep his feet down. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I thought looked really good in this game. Definitely got the better of Jalen Ramsey a number of times. Uh, he goes ten for ninety eight. Didn't get in the end zone. Uh, AJ Green also had a touchdown just back from the dead uh, yeah. on a, a classic AJ Green fade in the back of the end zone. Um, so Arizona, I mean, obviously it, it feels like you got, you got no momentum, you know, you're without Kyler. How do you possibly win this game? But, um, you know, they, they, at least they could convince themselves that they've salvaged something here. And, you know, your, your next three are against the 49ers, the chargers and the Pats. So best of luck there. But, um, it, to me, it felt like the loser of this game, you know, you're, you're almost, you're almost done in that division. And especially with the Rams losing cup. I mean, it just, it just feels like the ultimate Super Bowl hangover and, and kind of a run of some bad luck here. For sure. For sure. San Francisco uh, is going to face Arizona. Arizona faces them, but it's not a home game for Arizona. Well, it is, but it's in New Mexico City yep. on Monday night. So uh, 
interesting. That's a huge game, actually, for the Cardinals. Huge game. They can throw themselves back in the mix. They yep. lose. They drop to four and seven. They can join the Rams in being out of it there. So uh, something to watch for for that. Speaking of the Niners, that's the last game on our docket that we have to cover. Uh, they get the comeback win over the Chargers. Kind of a weird game. Yep. Uh, Chargers, I mean, if they have any playmakers at all, they win this game, I think, because they – they, they score a touchdown, one of their multiple red zone possessions where they settled for three points. Uh, they got shut down in the second half. Niners defense really stepped up in the second half. But, I mean, San Diego just – they I mean, San Diego, the Chargers, excuse me, the Chargers, might as well be San Diego. They'd be better in San Diego. But uh, they just – they couldn't find any ways to threaten them in the second half. No, I, I think you're spot on that if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen – play in this game the Chargers win I Justin Herbert looked amazing in this game he had some wow throws that just really haven't been there uh mm-hmm. these last few weeks for him like he got off to a great start and then you know, had the rib injury that maybe that was still affecting him uh for a stretch there but this was this was peak Justin Herbert I mean he was locked in in this game and we saw it from the start I mean I think everybody expected San Francisco Debo's healthy you know McCaffrey's up to speed like this is the week that they take off and right away, I mean, they get punched in the mouth. I mean, quick touchdown drive by the Chargers, big play after big play. They go 75 yards in like three minutes, and all yep. of a sudden it's 7 nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, the Niners go back. They answer with a field goal of their own, but, you know, it took eight minutes off the clock and only got, got three points. You got the Ayuk fumble on the yeah. next drive and um, a couple big stands by that, that San Francisco defense, including after the fumble, where the Chargers are gifted fantastic field position. At that point, it felt like the offense is rolling uh, you hold them to a field goal there. You hold them to another field goal later in the second quarter. And, um, you know, at, at least San Francisco was able to tack on one more touchdown uh, before the half. And at that point, you know, 16 to 10, you feel a little bit better about it. Um, and it felt like momentum did start to swing in favor of the Niners. But, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an overly well-played game. And I thought this was going to be a, a huge spot for McCaffrey uh, against what's been a, a really soft Chargers run defense. And turned out it was Elijah Mitchell who ended up having the bigger day. Yeah, it was. Who was the closer in this one? He was the second half guy. McCaffrey got the touchdown, but Mitchell looked really good on some runs. He did. Really good. Uh, and it showed that he's going to get some work. Now, I think this was also kind of a weird game flow sort of thing, too. I, I think this was like a best case scenario for Mitchell. Yeah. But that's a pretty good case. I mean, I think you're in a, in like, he's a flex player. He's like, if you're a zero running back team, he's useful. Uh, I don't know if he's a league winner. I think I saw an argument about that on Twitter because that's what yeah. people do. Uh, but he's he's someone that uh, can be pretty useful. I will say that. Um, yeah, the Chargers, I mean, the second half, they did nothing again. And if you look at Herbert's overall numbers, 5.6 yards per attempt, I mean, that that's pretty awful. Yep. Again, they just couldn't go downfield at all. Herbert got nailed on that play right before halftime. Yeah. And you'll notice they didn't score after the half. Um, I, 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 I would, I would watch his status closely second of, I know they had him out for those three plays, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I would watch his status during the week pretty closely. Yeah. I, I think this could be a Matt, uh, Matt Stafford situation from last week where, you know, you're watching that game. He don't think twice about it. And all of a sudden he pops up and he's being evaluated for a concussion. Um, you know, Herbert was cleared. You, you have the independent spotters, you have the neurotrauma guys right. up in the booth that look for this. So I, I don't think anything nefarious is going on and chase Daniel, did come in the game, did take a couple snaps uh, before Herbert ended up coming back. And you could see Herbert, you know, he seemed fine. He's kind of waving off guys like, I'm good, I'm good. But that was a big-time hit, uh, yeah. you know, right right to the head. So uh, for sure, that, that, that's a good note uh, for the week ahead. But nonetheless, really impressed with him. I mean, DeAndre Carter kind of ended up being the guy over Josh Palmer. 
it, it just it felt like the Chargers were like a foot, you know, a foot away on a couple throws that just went a little long or a little short mm-hmm. from ripping off a couple more big plays. But overall, given the opponent, given the lack of weapons, I actually kind of like what I saw from the Chargers at least in the first half, because I think they are a little overmatched given all their injuries. Yep. They got the primetime game on Sunday night against the Chiefs next week. So we'll see uh, they get any of those guys back. And Gerald Everett also got banged up in this game too. So watch that injury report pretty closely with the Chargers. All right, we've covered every game. Let's go ahead and hit some of these uh, questions real quick, and then we'll sign off. Jacob says, uh, what do you guys – we talked about Watson. Never mind. Uh, We'll move on to that. We talked about this one. Uh, Okay uh we talked we covered this one already okay so uh, sorry about that uh, if you're not doing the, vo- the visual there you're kind of like what is he talking about sorry about that <laughs> jeff johnson says hey guys should i trade deonta foreman and george pickens for jalen waddle hmm. interesting trade hmm. uh because foreman obviously is the guy in carolina they made that right. pretty clear waddle's on by this week pickens has had his buy uh i think foreman's is still coming up later uh yeah. Giving up a workhorse running back. So I think if your running back room is a little shaky, then no. You're obviously going for late in the season, trying to have the, the better rosters. My my guess is the motivation for this one here. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, the buy complicates things. That's week 13 for Foreman. I, I would imagine if you're comfortable giving him up, uh, you probably have some decent options. Obviously, I mean, Waddle, uh, close to as high of a floor as you're going to get at receiver outside of those top three guys we discussed earlier. I think the thing with Foreman too is you don't love these next two matchups at Baltimore and then against that Denver defense in week 12, then the bye. Uh, So a little bit worrisome there. However, you do get, you know, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and then I'm I'm looking at that week 16 matchup against Detroit. Uh, That would be kind of right smack dab at the middle of the fantasy playoffs. Uh, That could be a potential smash spot uh, for Deontay Foreman. But, you know, we're doing a lot of projecting there. A lot could happen over the next month and a half. I'm I'm okay with either side of this deal, to be honest. I I think I I would probably lean toward keeping Foreman unless I have some really good options at running back other right. than him. That's the way I lean as well. Thanks for the question, Jeff. Uh, Adam says thoughts on George Kittle rest of the season, two targets last night. Uh, I was yeah. starting to be in like, he is feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty good about him. Now he, he was a tight end. He was a blocker as well as a t- more than anything else. Yeah. I, I don't know. The announcers last night, you know, uh, they were, they were kind of all over George Kittle he, on, on the one catch. You know, he broke a few tackles and they're like, he's back. This is the George Kittle that we remember. I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he, I guess he looks good when he gets the ball. He's just not getting the ball all that much. Um, it, it feels like he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's fallen off physically. I, like when he's healthy, which is a 50, 50 proposition every week, it seems when he's healthy, he still looks like that guy. They're just, they're not targeting him that much, you know, and, and maybe we're, you know, we're kind of trying to decide like, who's the big loser between, you know, Debo and Christian McCaffrey. Like maybe part of it is George Kittle is just going to have a reduced role going forward. I think they trust Brandon Ayuk way more than they did last year. And, and maybe that's her George Kittle as well. Yeah. By the way, Ayuk had like the most mixed blessing game total. Uh, you know, I had some big catches six for 84, but yeah, the fumble, fumble and the drop in the end zone. Remember yeah. they, they should have had a touchdown on that series. And that drop could have been picked too. hit him right. Yeah. In the shoulder pad. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that was, that was a big play in that game there. Yep. Um, Yeshua says traded James Connor for Debo. What do you think about that trade? Uh, I, I love Debo so much that I, I feel like I, I can't even uh, talk about him objectively. I, I think I'd still rather have Debo, um, you know, big game for James Conner against the Rams tacked on a, a late touchdown to, to really kind of run it up uh, for fantasy purposes, but still carry, you know, took 21 carries to get to 69 yards, somewhat of a fluky game, just given everything that's going on with the Rams. 
Um, and before that, you know, really hadn't done a whole lot, missed three games with an injury. So I prefer the Debo side. Yep. Finally, kicker question. Robbie Gold or Jason Myers rest of season? Well, Myers is on bye this week. So I, I, I don't even think rest of the season. Get through this week and then we'll find out. So stick with Gold if you have them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Myers, I is, mean, Myers is good. but I'm okay with just kind of cycling through kickers if you have to. Um, yeah. Not really trying to hold two kickers at any point. I don't, I don't you know, unless you're just really locked in or you're in a deeper league where, where you have a bunch of spots. I, I don't, I don't really love the thought of that. I mean, Jason Myers is leading the league in, in terms of total fantasy points among kickers. So it, it's been there. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think any kicker to me is like lapping the field to the point where I'm not okay. Dropping him on a bye week Yeah, I think so too. I think you're right about that. Nick Folk is someone that I held on through his bye week Yeah. I held on to McPherson and Tucker and through their bye weeks. Cause then I'll just plug and play him the rest of the year, but I get it. I get it there. Yep. And we want to have certainty. Many cases you could, you know, it's a cyclable position unless like there's some formats where you can't make pickups after week 14. If that's the case, then you have mm-hmm. to make that decision. Yeah. Any other no, uh, parting thoughts, Nick? You know, one guy I want to bring up, and, and part of it is I, I saw a tweet, you know, as we were kind of scrolling through here during the pod, is Paris Campbell, by the way. So last three yeah. games uh, that Matt Ryan has quarterbacked for the Colts, Paris Campbell has 11 targets, 7 catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. 12 targets, 10 catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. 9 targets, 7 catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. So if it's going to be Matt Ryan going forward, there does seem to be uh, a Paris Campbell Matt Ryan connection. And, you know, yep. as, as it feels like Michael Pittman is fading all of a sudden Paris Campbell looking like an attractive option. So uh, somebody to consider adding for sure. He's available in over 75% of ESPN leagues as of Monday morning. Yeah. And I think Pittman has hope now too. Um, I think yeah. this is, it helps him a lot also. All right. That's going to wrap up the Rotowire fantasy football podcast. Thanks for everybody for chiming in on the uh, chat. When those who are streaming live, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to know house advantage for their sponsorship all season long. We got Joe and Jake tomorrow with waivers on Wednesday. I'm going to have Chris Meany from uh, FTN. So uh, got a lot of good stuff joining us uh, this week. Thanks for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.